Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Lord of the Dance City, it's Richard Herring! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lord of the Dance City podcast in which I take you behind the scenes, sometimes literally, of the tour that I'm doing at the moment all over the UK. Go to richhang.com slash L-O-T-D-S slash tour for all the details of where I'm coming, but I'm going to tell you where I've been and tell you some of the funny stories of stuff that's been happening. Also, maybe do some bits from uh, that might have made it into the show, but haven't made it into the show. Um, I'll take you in this episode from the gig I did in Newcastle, uh, which was, well, it was quite a while ago now. It was on uh, the 17th of March, and I'll go through to the gig I did in Birmingham on the 22nd uh, of March. There is a little bit of catching up to do. I think a couple of the bits from the Edinburgh and Newcastle shows did make it to the last podcast in the claims to fame section before I realised that the podcast was much too long. But uh, So those bits won't be in, but otherwise it was quite an eventful little run of a week. So I'll take you through that in the next episode, maybe take you through uh, the next six or seven gigs that I've already done. So as I've got it all edited together and ready to roll on this particular piece of editing software, let's go straight into the claims to fame that I did for the towns from Glasgow through to Birmingham. Uh, this is a bit where I pretend to, that the audience aren't impressed by something I've just claimed I want to do, uh, and so then sarcastically tell them about something insignificant from their own town or their own history that they should be more impressed about. You'll, you'll get the idea if you haven't heard it already, uh, but occasionally I do forget to... Um, look up some stuff beforehand, as happened in Glasgow, in fact, where I, I, I'd been out, as I think you'll find out later in the podcast, I'd been out and had a, a dinner, but it had taken quite a long time to arrive and I'd sat down in a kebab shop uh, and it was a little bit, it was a bit more sophisticated than the kebab shop, but I'd had a kebab uh, and uh, and so I'd completely forgotten to look into obscure facts in Glasgow and didn't realise until well into the show this time and then was racking my brain trying to think of stuff. So see if you can tell that in Glasgow, <laughs> uh, I wasn't really prepared for that. And also Norwich, literally just before I went on, because my, my uh, as you'll find out again, my baby was up with me in Norwich and I was a bit preoccupied with her. Um, just backstage, I said to my tour manager, Giles, do you know anything about Norwich? Because he lived in Norwich and he came up with some cracking pieces of uh, local information. The Coleman's must have one is my own, but the others are his. Uh, and you will see they were devast how devastatingly effective they were. So uh, that's kind of fun in the tour, I suppose. That sometimes I remember, sometimes I forget, uh, and sometimes I'm forced to try and ad lib. As you will see when you listen to Glasgow, see how I didn't even think of what I used. The joke I used to do in Glasgow is I'm delighted to be in Glasgow because I get a bit shaky if I'm more than 20 metres from a Greg's, which is a great joke if you go and walk around in Glasgow because there are Greg's everywhere. But I forgot about that uh, and instead went for what you're about to hear. God, no, does that not impress you, Glasgow? <laughs> that does not impress us here in Glasgow, Richard. We, the Commonwealth Games were up here in Glasgow, so we have got more impressive things than that. We have, uh, we are all Christians here, but we still manage to really hate each other and fight each other <laughs> over whether a bit of bread is really Jesus or just some bread. So we, so we are... Up and imagine we can still really fight each other over that ridiculous idea and think it's worth doing that. Mate, that is what we're like in Glasgow, so we're not impressed. By... No, that's not impressive to you, Jess, but that, is, that doesn't impress.
impress us an old woman kissing a child, Richard. That doesn't impress us in Chesterfield. Simon Groom was born in Chesterfield, Richard. It takes more. Baden Powell's, Lord Baden Powell's wife was born in Chesterfield, Richard. I'll have Baden Powell. She was born here. She was the first chief girl guide. So it takes more than your story. The uh, the precinct was opened by Princess Princess of Wales so in 1981. So and the Summerfield in that uh, burned down in 2000. And then it was it was a blowtorch had been left on, and so we said that was an exciting moment. Then Summerfield never came back; it changed into a Tesco Metro after that. But that, it was an amazing moment. Summerfield were just they were kind of pissed off now. Their shop had burned down, so we're not going to be in Chesterfield now because you can't even look after our shop properly. That's your that was meant to be a punishment to Chesterfield, but. Chesterfield said, well, we prefer Tesco as much better than Summerfield, so it's, it's a win-win situation. So it takes more than that. I know a lot about your town, don't I? It's amazing what you can find on Wikipedia. So I, um... <laughs> the precinct I called it as well, like some locals would do. Not the pavement, like an out-of-towner would do. Yeah. And I started adding an extra one at the end of that routine as well. Here, some, for some places, here's the one in Chesterfield. Seriously, not even that is as impressive. <laughs> no, it takes more than that to impress us. We've got a cursed church. That... <laughs> That's a virgin has to get married in it before it'll be all right again. In a completely made-up story based on the fact that we didn't look after the wood in the spire. <laughs> Didn't treat it, should have treated it before the fucking stupid 14th century Chesterfield idiots. So, um. <laughs> uh, no, that doesn't impress you here in Norwich. No, that does not impress us here in Norwich. We got more impressive things than that. Coleman's mustard is made in Norwich, Richard, so it takes more than that to impress us. We had a man called Marigold who would stand on the on the roundabout at the bottom of Grapes Hill by Halfords, directing the traffic. So it takes more, <laughs> takes more than that. To Our library burnt down in the 1990s. <laughs> that went up in flames. Burning over three books were destroyed. <laughs> takes more than that to impress us, Richard. No, that doesn't impress you in Birmingham. I said, no, that takes more than that to impress us here in Birmingham, Richard. The 2008 English chess champion, Keith uh, Kel... Uh, Arkel, fuck it. Keith... <laughs> Keith uh, Arkel was born... Yeah, it is Keith Arkel. Was born in Birmingham, so it takes more than that. The uh, key component of the microwave oven was discovered in Birmingham, Richard. So it is, takes more... And the atomic bomb, the first draft of that, was discovered in Birmingham as well. Musical youth come from Birmingham, Richard. So it takes more... <laughs> takes more than... Uh, well, I think this is an impressive story. I'm sorry it doesn't live up to your Birmingham. Mr. Egg, we have a shop called Mr. Egg in Birmingham. That is how... <laughs> so that does not impress us. So as you can see, varying degrees of success there with the claims to fame in those various different towns. Um, it's a fun bit to do and... Sometimes you remember it all really well, sometimes it's harder to remember. I usually have about five or six ones floating around in, in my head, and some of them fly straight out. Straight out. Um, but I particularly enjoyed the Chesterfield one. That was one of the highlights of Chesterfield, which was 
uh, a slightly more difficult gig than the rest of them in this week. But uh, let's go back. We'll start uh, working our way through from Newcastle, uh, where I, I did three nights in a row at the stands uh, in Newcastle, Edinburgh, and then Glasgow. And they're the, the nicest comedy clubs. I mean, they're so well run, and they know what they're doing at these clubs. Um, and uh, mostly packed up. Weirdly, the Edinburgh one the least well attended, but uh, Newcastle pretty much sold out. Glasgow sold out and uh, had a great gig in, in Newcastle. Um, but uh, the fun, I kind of had fun in the, earlier in the day. I was sort of, as we, I was being driven up by uh, Giles the Cannibal in this particular leg of the tour, um, I was in the back of the car tweeting. I was, and I got kind of into the story about the judges who'd been sacked for watching porn on their work computers. Uh, though it's funny and impressive uh, for anyone to make the news when having a private wank, it's really easy to make the news if you wank in public, but you have to be a superstar for getting on the Radio 4 News for wanking when no one else is around. So congratulations are in order to Timothy Bowles, Warren Grant, Peter Bullock and Andrew Moore. It's time to pop a bottle of champagne. That's not a euphemism. They, they've, uh, they've done it. They've done the impossible. They've got on Radio 4 News for wanking in private. So I'm very impressed with that. Uh, and I did write a Metro column uh, about my various thoughts about these guys, which I will share with you now. The story about the judges sat for watching porn on their work computers amused me. There must have been an awful lot of nervous judges turning up at work early the next day to hastily delete their internet history. But if we're going to start sacking people for looking at porn on a work computer, it's certainly time for me to hand in my resignation from the Metro. I'm actually watching pornography now. I sure love working on my column. I mean, if the judges were watching porn during the cases they were presiding over and furiously banging their gavels, I can see why that would be an issue. But if you want, if they want to empty their private chamber in your private chambers while wearing a weird wig, that's up to you. If shaking hands with the unemployed can make you unemployed, where will it end? Would anyone be left at work if everyone who watched porn on a work computer was sacked? I think they should, they should offer a raise, no pun intended, to anyone who can prove they have never watched grumble flicks in the office. I'm not sure many would be in the queue, and I bet even the ones who claim they were porn-free would have forgotten dodgy images on their hard drive somewhere. There's something vaguely Orwellian, Orwellian about this. Will they start firing people for naughty thoughts next? Will a 21st century Twitch finder general start rooting out anyone suspected of having a one-night stand with themselves? First, they came for the naughty judges. I did not speak out because I am not a judge. I don't like the idea of sexually frustrating judges passing down harsh sentences because they aren't properly relaxed. Then again, maybe sentences would be too lenient if given during post-release euphoria. But what if the judges experience post-release self-loathing and disgust? Someone, have, someone should have to monitor the judges to make sure they can't, couldn't try a case within 15 minutes of releasing the innocence. I say judge not the porny judges lest ye be judged by a porny judge, which you almost certainly will be. I tweeted about my amusement and outrage about this story and was contacted by Channel 4 News, who asked me to come on the show to discuss it. It would have been fun to ask Jon Snow if he was prepared to share his internet history with the viewers, but I was busy. It's nice that they see me as the go-to expert on poker stroking. My mum must be very proud. I would say I am merely an enthusiastic amateur. And I couldn't do the Channel 4 News thing, which I would kind of like to have done just for that reason uh, that I mentioned in the article, uh, but because I would be on stage at the stand that night, so uh, I kind of assumed the fact it was in Newcastle was going to be a problem, but they did offer to send down a film crew. I could have conceivably done it, but I, I kind of wanted to prepare for the show. I did open the show with a little comment 
about the judges because one of them did come from Newcastle. This is that very brief comment. Is the judge in who got sacked for wanking in Newcastle? Is it one of the judges who got sacked for wanking today in, from Newcastle? You know, have you seen this story? I mean, like, if you can't use your computer at work for looking at porn, I mean, I mean, if that's a sacking offence. <laughs> but never mind. Anyway, it's great to be here. If you're here, mate, hopefully this will cheer you up. No, don't wank during the show. It's in your private chambers. Oh, you don't have any anymore. OK. And this was the first gig back after a little break. And weirdly, even though I think it was just like a day or two since the last gig, your brain can go a little bit mushy and you sort of forget the show sometimes, which happens here in Newcastle. I just put this in just as an example of hopefully mainly my delivery is fairly confident and assured with occasional lapses where it isn't, uh, but sometimes deliberately. But just I suddenly dried halfway through a routine that I should, well, you know, I obviously know all these routines pretty well. Uh, and it's quite just quite amusing to hear uh, how bamboozled I am and how badly I do with attempting to dig myself out of the hole. So just have a quick listen to this if you like. You're not even cool for comedy fans. You've come to see me. That is, you mean you're, you're cool. You've seen one of the youngsters off the telly, but it's... Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's uh, <laughs> I'm putting myself off now. Uh, there, must, there must be something else coming up there. Uh, but, uh, mm. What I'm going to do is I'm going to just have a drink of water, pretend that I haven't forgotten what happens next. And then uh, by the time I've stopped drinking the water, I will have probably remembered. If I wasn't doing the director's commentary, but unfortunately... <laughs> I'm, re I'm mainly concentrating on doing the director's commentary and I'm not really thinking about it. So like, even though I'm taking a drink of water now, I'm just thinking about taking a drink of water instead of what, what comes next. <laughs> but and I had quite an eventful day between Newcastle and Edinburgh. I discussed it in the Edinburgh show, so I won't talk too much about it now. Uh, but I went on to the Edinburgh stand where I do the Rich Herring's Edinburgh Fringe podcast, or I used to do them. Uh, from so it's a venue I know very well and seriously one of the best stand-up clubs in the country I've, I've actually maybe even slightly for Glasgow stand to Edinburgh stand but obviously got a lot of affection for the Edinburgh stand the people of Edinburgh do not have the same affection for me it's a smallish venue it didn't sell out it's one of the lowest selling uh, shows of the tour so far though I think people in Edinburgh have had a lot of opportunities to see me I suppose during the fringe uh, so that might explain it or they may just have had enough of me claiming I am their king but uh, yeah, it was it was quite an eventful day, quite an upsetting day in some ways. Uh, but I think I explained it all pretty well within what goes on in the show through. And I was a lot more chatty in this show. It was it, I think in the comedy clubs it's easier to be chatty, but maybe because of the the mood I was in. I just the, the openings of both halves were extremely chatty, and I just chat you know just came up with stuff without really planning it. So I thought I'd share that with you. Some of it works, some of it doesn't. But it's kind of nice to be chatty right at the opening. Uh, of the show. Here it comes up and I'm going to talk to it because it's coming up right about now. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Lord of the Dance set to it's Richard Herring! I'm no longer your king. 
king, but it's nice to come back as the previous king of Edinburgh. Uh, lovely to be here. Uh, I've uh, had a great day. I've lost my suit trousers, as sharp eyes will have noticed. <laughs> the front here, I'm doing a sort of Jeremy Clarkson wearing jeans and a jacket. <laughs> I've taken off my tie just to relax to be more like Clarkson, who is my hero. Uh, and uh, so if anyone sees some uh, blue uh, suit trousers lying in the street, I think I've lost them somewhere between uh, whatever that road is down there, Dublin Street, I think, and uh, here. Just, just that's a little bagpuss call out uh, for uh, my trousers. a shame, but I have just had a shower in the flat across the road and they, I used the mint tea tree uh, Shower gel, so I've got a very minty asshole. It's minty clean. If anyone wants to come backstage and just have a, you can smell or have, you're welcome to, you know, taste the mint on there. That is fine. It's very clean. That is all I'm saying. You are more than welcome to. That's a quite a good opening to the show, isn't it? I mean, and and, and exit. So yes, I had lost my trousers, which was a terrible thing to happen. It's, genuinely very upsetting because it's uh, I bought some I spent quite a lot of money on suits once I lost some weight uh, and even though it's kind of the one I used the most and also my least favorite one and the least expensive of the suits I had it was still annoying to have foolishly lost it I think probably in Edinburgh rather than in Newcastle but it could have been any time uh, you know just slipped off the handle just slipped off the, the hanger but what was really nice about this show was this kind of loose chattiness I'm sure there was much more within the show itself as well that I, I'm not going to go through and pick out lots of tiny little bits but again to give you another example I think, I think you know I think it's just really nice when you feel comfortable enough to do that in a show when I do as well I think often I've been very constrained to a script certainly at the start of the show you think I've got to make people laugh and I've got to make them uh, like me but I think it's kind of nice to come out and without planning what you're going to say sort of have a little chat which is certainly what happened at the beginning of the first half and at the end of the first half and more so so even at the beginning of the second half but here's the end of the first half which again has some fun stuff in it hope you enjoy it uh, you've been lovely so far there's a uh, time for a quick uh, break now go and have a wee or drink or do anything you want I, you know, I can't tell you what to do if you want to have a wee have one I'm not, not just you. I mean I'm looking at you as I'm saying it but it's not just you that I'm referring anyone can have a wee but do you, you probably want one now I've been now I've just put it in your head I'm like Darren Brown you will have a wee you're going to do it now on the chair in front of everyone it's like the finale I haven't really got an end to the first half so if you could just piss yourself <laughs> That women people going, oh, you made him a piss herself. That was amazing. They don't know you're my friend, do I? Can just piss herself at will. I do this everywhere I go. Uh, so go and have some fun. I might ask you a question in the second half. I might ask you, is there an international men's day? It might be a trick question. See if you just want to see if you've been paying attention to the first half. Uh, I'm going to go out there now, and and then we'll forget about this embarrassment. Okay, cheers. <laughs> And I was even more relaxed in the second half. Um, Dave, who used to work at the stand, uh, and now no longer does, but he used to help me out with the rehefs, rehefs. Uh, and he was the one who provided the prizes that people got on the day, like the tickets and the Haribo, the tiny little bags of Haribo. But he came in in the interval and gave me two massive bags of Haribo, one that Giles, the Tangfastics, that's the kind of guy I think Giles, he's more of a cannibalistic nature, so he went for those. Uh, and I'd been tucking into a few of the regular Haribos, uh, but foolishly was doing that just before the show was about to recommence and consequently came onto the stage with some Haribos in still in my mouth, uh, which I discuss. Uh, and I, well, you'll also find out I discussed the um, Metro column that I'd written that had come out that day uh, about uh, soap and shower gel, which again, maybe, maybe I'll read that out after this 
piece from the second, beginning of the second half of the Edinburgh Lord of the Dance City, not the fringe, the real thing. I've been eating some Haribo backstage. It had a little bit in my mouth, but I've managed to swallow it during that. That's how professional I am. That's when you become a comedian of the standard that I'm at. When you're this good, if you're eating a bit of Haribo a bit close to, you know. Well, there's a lot of the professional comedians when they're eating Haribo <laughs> just backstage, just before they come on, you know, like uh, Jackie Mason or someone. But he, he, he still doesn't know how to do it. He has to come, oh, just hold the music for a bit. I've got to swallow the Haribo. I just do it as I'm speaking at the beginning. It's very, uh, still behind the scenes secret there for you, Edinburgh. That is, uh, so, uh, <laughs> it was nice Haribo. What's your favourite Haribo thing, would you say? Which one do you like the best? What do you mean you don't eat Haribo? What's wrong with you? I'm 47 years old. I still eat Haribo. No? Do you, not, do you speak English? Yeah, okay. I'm desperately trying to think of Haribo. Yeah. Um, you have to think tangfastic. I thought, I know, that's the obvious answer. But an idiot would go. I like you both. That's you both. I like the fried eggs. And the hearts. They're the same thing, really. Strawberry. Okay, it's nice to know. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't ask you, but I'm glad that you're, de- you're desperate to get in. I like that you like the strawberry. Which one do you like? The cherries. We, do you like the cherries? I don't even know what that one is. I'm not, I don't even, I'm not a big, big a fan of them, really. I don't really... Should we just go around that? And just as a different thing. So just instead of me doing the second half show, we just go around and talk about reminiscences about various Haribos we've had. It'll probably take 45 minutes to get around everyone. Most people going, well, I've not really got anything. I want to eat a tang plastic. Cool, we'll, go, we'll crack on. What we can say about this bit is it's not happened ever, any, anywhere else on the tour. So that is, it's not particularly funny, but it is a one-off. A one-off tweet. You could live tweet this if you want. So, I was being sarcastic. Uh, some people thinking, yeah, I might, might do that. I was tweeting about my uh, mint. Did you see me tweeting about my mint? Yeah, it was fun. It was quite sexy, wasn't it? <laughs> me tweeting. Were you, were you picturing my... Horrible man. You read about the what? A horrible man. Oh, that's early. That was early today. So I've had a lot of shower-based... Uh, so, I'm having quite relaxed start of the second half here. Uh, I wrote an article about the Metro, about um, soap, liquid soap. It was only a joke. Uh, saying, <laughs> saying we don't need liquid soap and, and old soap is good enough. Uh, I think it's true. I'm not, I'm, I'm, personally, I like it when um, things change. I'm unlike... Uh, Stuart Lee likes... What the, it, he's like the UKIP of the 1980s. He wants everything to be... He wants it to be the 1980s. I want, I, like, I want it to be the future. I want it to be 25-25 now, apart from in soap, which I want to be like... I'm 1950s. I'm with Nigel Farage, but someone online said that I was typical left-wing comedian having to go at liquid soap. And it was very... It was very hard. You know, on Twitter, it's very hard to ascertain whether this was a parody account or just a really mental person. So... And it's absolutely impossible to tell the difference. Honestly, sometimes we go, oh, obviously I was joking. Yeah, well, I don't know, because I get that kind of thing all the time. So I sent, because this guy said I never, I was a grubby left-wing comedian. So I was in the bathroom at the time in the hotel, so I took a picture of myself in the shower for him and <laughs> tweeted it to him. 
it took him four hours to respond. I assume he was masturbating. <laughs> I've actually had two showers today, so that's how I'm... That's, that showed him. I didn't do it to show him. I just I, That's the kind of guy I am. I'm not fastidiously clean. It's just I've been to the gym. So, and then I clean myself in the stand. You can come over to the stand flat with me if you like after the show. I'm not trying to pick you up. I just We can have a shower together. I'm not trying to pick you up. I just want you to experience this mint uh, shower gel. I just want you to experience it. The thing is, I don't need to pick... Once you've got the mint shower gel, you don't need anyone else because it's like you just it's like you're being rimmed by someone anyway. It's better. If you're married... It's like you're being rimmed by, like, uh, the, 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 that, that uh, polar bear of the fox's glacier mint. That's what it's like. And, uh, which is good to me, because, you know, if I, if I get rimmed by someone now, I get into trouble because I'm married. And I, my wife, is, if I say, oh, sorry, I got rimmed by someone today, she goes, I'm not very happy about that, Richard. So it's good that there is this thing. So I'd love to share that experience with you. <laughs> If you don't mind. No, okay. I've got it yourself. You've got it yourself. You've got the, you've, that's, how you, that's how you've got such an attractive girlfriend. I was wondering how it was. It's the mint and tea tree. Uh, I think it said the show had to end at a certain time. So I will uh, I'll, uh, I'll move on. Uh, but that's a nice little, that's a nice little extra for my uh, podcast. I'm recording all of this. So if you say anything funny, you might get on, the, on a podcast that 1,000 people listen to. Yeah, there you go. That could be, that could be. Yes, good job. I didn't try to get the uh, Edinburgh stuff into the last podcast, isn't it? I mean, there was a lot of stuff there. Uh, and that's really fun when something like that happens where you can just go off and chat and it comes out almost like a proper routine. Um, you know, a little bit of mum and R before I came up with that Fox's Glacier Mint thing. But then that was great because that was genuinely something that struck me uh, on stage at the time. There was None of that was planned. <laughs> Certainly not the Haribo stuff. Um, and yeah, I'll just, I'll quickly read you the... Um, the Metro article that was about, so in the morning, this was the Metro article that the guy had got upset about them, that I was a typical left-wing comedian because of this. So, you know, I think I'll share it with you just because uh, of that. Uh, the biggest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the public that they should be buying liquid soap dispensers for their homes. At some point in living memory, a soap magnate looked at a bar of soap and thought, we're not making enough money off of this. What can we do to convince people to spend more? And they came up with the idea of putting liquid soap in a plastic dispenser and selling that for five times the price of a bar. Sure, I know you're saying, but bars of soap get all mushy and dirty and disgusting and dispenser soap is always clean. But you've just been sucked into the soap Satan's soap lies. It doesn't really matter if soap is grubby anyway, because it's soap. It will clean off its own germs. But even if a bar of soap gets a bit manky towards the end, it's still cheaper and less wasteful to just buy another bar of soap. Soap is one of the cheapest substances on earth. I haven't looked into it, but I assume they just dig it up for free in soap mines. But you've been fooled for paying upwards of £1.50 for it. And you've walked into this trap willingly. But Rich, I hear you whine, the liquid soap is so convenient due to its liquid nature. You know how to make a bar of soap liquidy? Stick it under a hot tap. Liquid soap perhaps makes sense in some environments, like a public bathroom or a hotel. It's harder to steal and it seems more hygienic, but that's partly our own squeamishness at catching the germs of a stranger, something that soap should prevent. But to buy this stuff for your own home, why not just get a shredder, fill it up with £5 notes and wash your hands with those? Warning, don't do this, it will not clean your hands, and I have to give, the, I have to give that warning because soap consumers are so gullible. A bar of soap does the job and lasts so long you can practically pass it down the generations as a family heirloom. I don't want you thinking I'm obsessed with soap 
or some kind of tightwad who doesn't want to splash out money on futuristic liquid soap. I just hate soap wastage. When I stay in a mildly posh hotel and they give me a nice bar of soap, it feels wrong to use it only four or five times and then let it be thrown away, so I take it home with me. And even these tiny bars of soap last literally for eternity. Literally. And I wash my hands after every poo, and usually even when I've done a wee. Though sometimes I just run the tap to trick my wife into thinking I've washed them. She will never find out. A few years ago, the soap people really tried to extract the urine, and not just from our hands, by introducing an automatic sensor-driven an automatic sensor-driven liquid soap dispenser. They attempted to convince us that even by touching the button on the soap dispenser, we were risking infection from the last person who touched the button, which, if you think about it, was just the same as saying, our soap doesn't work, so you mustn't touch anything with germs on it before you use it. We knew that was stupid, but so is all liquid soap. Join my campaign to get back to regular soap. You've been taken for a ride by soap billionaires. I wash my hands of them. I really do. These soap idiots. So that was that, which led to me becoming a typical left-wing grubby comedian. Um, again, don't know if it was genuine or a parody account or what. It's so hard to tell. I had a little bit of banter with that guy. Um, and so, yes, I was, I was stinging from the loss of my trousers, I have to say. For I mean, that's still, it's, some weeks have passed and I'm still very upset about it. I definitely am never going to see them. There's some tramp somewhere in, New, in Edinburgh probably or maybe in Newcastle walking around in a pair of Ted Baker trousers that will almost certainly be too short for him as I have the shortest legs uh, that I've ever known. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the belt wasn't on them. That was the problem, that the belt was tucked over. I'd, I'd hung that over the top of the hanger, so I, it felt like as I was walking, the trousers were still there because I could see the belt. But at some point, they slipped away. By the time we realised, it was too late to go and find them. It's such a shame. And before we go on to the next gig... Things going very well on the tour, I have to say. I am, I am enjoying it a lot. The gigs are really good fun, and enough people are coming. Even though Edinburgh was low, I'm not. I'm not going to go on about Edinburgh, but for fuck's sake, come on! How, long, how many years do I have to come up to you, your city, before enough of you like me to fill 180 seats in the theatre? Anyway, let's leave it. Uh, but this is an unusual little thing that makes me feel like I'm Ed Stewart. Stewart, but I got an email uh, from Jennifer Grayson, uh, who said. Uh, First of all, can I just say how amazing I think you are? I mean, come on. There's no need for that. That's, uh, that's a terrible thing to say, but thank you. Uh, she was wondering if I could mention her partner, Claire Williams. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just eating some peanuts. <clears throat> I'm not cracking up at the emotion of this. She just uh, wanted to say, if I could say hello to Claire Williams, a partner who's a very special person uh, and apparently enjoys listening to my podcast as well. So hello, Claire Williams. I uh, ho hope you're feeling all right. And everything's okay. And Jennifer is, seems like a very nice young lady uh, for uh, doing this. I'm not going to do this again. So don't all start emailing and asking for requests. This is, I'm not Steve Wright's love songs. I am Rich Chang's Lord of the Dance City. This is a very hard-hitting and, uh, and controversial <laughs> podcast. Um, uh, while we're on the subject, uh, I will mention there's, gonna, there's a little bit more stuff to come. I'm going to talk about... Uh, Glasgow and Chesterfield and Birmingham, I think, before we go. I mean, it's, it's still very... It's, it's, I can't believe how much material we're getting through in these things. I'll mention the gigs that are coming up. Uh, possibly, if you if this goes up on time, uh, it will be in time to tell you about Cardiff, which is uh, Cardiff gig on the 31st of March at St David's Hall. I wish it was in the hall. I managed to... The last time I played that, I was in the proper big hall. Admittedly not full, but enough people to make it worthwhile. And this time I'm back in the bar, which is a big bar. It's a 300-seater bar. There are very few tickets left for that. If, like, 600 people decided to come today, uh, then, you know, maybe I'll get moved into St David's Hall. But, again, that's one of my more realistic ambitions. Cardiff, again, is a town I do okay. That maybe one day I'll get to play St David's Hall 
in its own right and be, you know, like nearly full. I'm not even so ambitious to say I would like to be full. Uh, but anyway, 31st of March, Cardiff. 2nd of April, I'm in the Bath Comedia. Uh, plenty of seats left for that one. Uh, it's oh, quite a difficult room to play. That I, I do it on all, every tour. Very high ceilings and the audience feel like a long way away and in the dark. Uh, but it's still always an enjoyable gig, but it's a tricky gig. Uh, then I've got a week off from assuring uh, and there may, be another, <clears throat> there may be another Lord of the Dance City podcast in the interim. But I'll quickly tell you, I'll be I'm just eating a kind of nutty Vietnamese stir-fry in between doing this. This takes quite a long time to put together. Uh, and just little bits of peanuts are getting caught in the back of my throat. I've also had a glass of wine, so that's why, you know, maybe I'm a, you know, a little bit more fun, a little bit easier. Let's um, start doing little requests for people. So um, I'm in Andover on the 9th of April. There are tickets for that. New Greenham on the 10th of April. Plenty of tickets for that. I have a feeling, um, you know, the high of March is going to fall away pretty sharply in April. Most of these April gigs uh, are not doing all that well, at least a couple of weeks ago when I got the figures through. So if you're in these places, do consider coming. And over 9th of April, New Greenham 10th of April. I'm at Spike Sligo in Ireland on the 11th of April. Just had uh, my pl flight times through for that, which I'm trying to change because literally my flight is something like 7.55, which would mean getting to... And it's at Stansted. I don't think it's even possible. I'll be in New Greenham on the 10th of April. I mean, it'll make a great podcast. Uh, as I explain what's happened, but I'm in the 10th of April in New Greenham, then I'll be coming home, get home about midnight, and then I'd have to leave the house about four o'clock to get to Stansted, so I'm hoping they'll move my flight. But at Spice Sligo, I'm Sligo, I am doing a, like a Rich Change Leicester Square Theatre podcast style podcast, it won't be the Leicester Square Theatre, um, at three o'clock, and then I'm doing a 50 minute headline set uh, in the evening as well, before getting an early plane home in the morning. Thanks a lot, Sligo. I can't even drink loads of Guinness afterwards. 13th of April, I'm at St Albans. That is sold out. Uh, 16th of April, Fairham, which is selling very well. That was a gig I didn't know I was doing. Then they sold 100 tickets before I agreed to do it. Uh, Worthing on the 17th of April. That's a big theatre. Forest Arts on the 18th of April and, and Portsmouth on the 19th of April. Loads more to come. Go to richardherring.com slash gigs or richardherring.com slash L-O-T-D-S slash tour to see all the ones that are coming up. And there are quite a lot of new ones um, added in uh, there's Clevedon in May there's East let me just have a quick look while I'm doing this I'm not going to go back and edit this out because uh, you know this is just a relaxed little bit of the podcast that isn't quite as sharp uh, as the others I'm doing Wrexham's quite a new one that was added uh, I'm doing Southport Eastbourne Ulverston Hebden Bridge they've all been added quite recently but go and check out mostly not sold out a few sold out and if you're in London do consider coming to see me on Friday the 15th of May at the Bloomsbury Theatre when we'll be doing the DVD record, which A, is always a good laugh, but B, it'll be great to sell it out. It's selling quite well, but it'll be terrific if we could sell that one out. I'm also there on the 14th of May if you don't want to be on the DVD, if you're having an affair with someone you want to bring them along and not be caught, then come on the 14th of May where there are lots of tickets left. But I would rather people came on the 15th and... Uh, we had a sellout that made it look like I was popular. Uh, but yeah, that has been a great thing through March, which is the, the biggest chunk of the tour. I think there's 18 dates they're doing in March. They've all, pretty much all, apart from Edinburgh, maybe one or two others, Chesterfield, which coming up was uh, was still better than I thought for a town I'd ever go to. So it's very encouraging. As I say, as I think I've been saying throughout this podcast series, my big fear was I was up against 110 other comedians and who would choose to come and see me? And would I get my regular crowd... And it seems like some of the bigger places slightly less, but a lot of the smaller places slightly more, and everywhere really enough. If you would all stay with me, then I can keep touring every year. If you bring a friend, then, you know, if you bring five friends with you next time, everyone in Cardiff, then I can go and be in the big room in Cardiff. 
And Wolverhampton, remember? Come on, remember what I want to do in Wolverhampton? If you live in Wolverhampton, surely you've got 20 friends around the country. You can just arrange them all to come over, stay at your place, come and see me. All right, enough begging. Um, do remember as well also, if you want to contribute to my podcasts in general, if you're enjoying these free podcasts, go to gofasterstripe.com slash badges, make a donation in return for a badge or without a badge, you can just give me some money. Uh, if you go monthly, if you give a monthly donation, uh, not only will that be trying to help to hopefully bring together a monthly version of A.R.T.M.A., A.R.T.M.A., which will be filmed, but also um, you will get uh, access to a secret channel with loads of extras on there. So the sort of stuff that I'm giving away for free here, but even better. So um, let's move on and see what happened in Glasgow, where, again, I didn't have my trousers. It was a sad walk from my flat in Edinburgh, just looking in gutters and down into garden flats and on railings to see if my trousers were anywhere, but they were definitely, I've lost them, there's no point in going back. Uh, and the Glasgow gig was interesting in that uh, I found myself scheduled, I would say foolishly from my point of view, uh, at the Glasgow Festival up against my erstwhile double act partner Stuart Lee. Uh, admittedly it was in quite a big venue and I wasn't in such a big venue, but it was still like, it felt quite significant in a way, but also... It was a few years ago I did a gig at the Les Square Theatre where I was on first and he was on second and it was over Christmas and no one was coming to see me and then I would have to exit through his massive queue of people sort of keeping my face down because I knew someone would recognise me and that felt kind of humiliating and like, oh God, where's my career gone compared to his? But weirdly, him playing a 3,000-seater against me playing a 200-seater didn't feel as bad and uh, as I say in this uh, first clip, I... I I had sold out and he hadn't, so, uh, you know, who's the, who's the winner now? I think the winner is him. Um, <laughs> he was charging £22.50 for 3,000 people to do a work in progress, Was I was charging £15 to 200 people for uh, a complete show. So, you know, in a way, who is the winner? Oh, and again, it's him. I'm sorry. I, th I thought I'd find something. I did have my, my favourite tweet game. A few people did tweet about it. My, Gary Black was my favourite. who said, my Stuart Lee tickets are so far back. I'm actually close to Herring 1967 at the stand. Poor life choices. He said, I think he had wanted to see me, but he couldn't see me uh, because I was sold out. So he went to see Stuart Lee. So I think Stuart probably sold a lot of his tickets uh, in, in that way. As I say, I did feel a piece of it with this internally, uh, but uh, obviously for comedic effect it seemed like something that was worth mentioning in the show a lot, and you're not even going to get all of the various mentions of it. But this is how I began the show, again wearing my jeans instead of my trousers. My trousers, where are they? If you see my trousers, please send them back to me unless they're covered in trampoline, in which case I don't necessarily want them. Anyway, here is the opening of my gig at the Glasgow Stand. How are you doing? Oh, it's fantastic to be here at the Glasgow Comedy Festival in direct competition with Stuart Lee tonight. And has he sold out tonight? No, he hasn't. So who's the best? It is me. Well done for choosing this show. Because you could have gone to... Um, there's a few people leaving now. There were some tickets left for Stuart Lee. Yeah, it was only in like a 3,000 seat. So, you know, it's not... As we, I'm, I'm taping this for people at home. There's 4,000 people in here tonight. So it's uh, a definite victory for Richard Herring. I've made a terrible error. I've just been around the corner to a cafe and eaten three large meat kebabs five minutes ago. So it's going to be very exciting for you on the front row. There's either going to be some smelly burps or some vomit. <laughs> I miscalculated with the early start, so it's going to be fun. But One of the fun things about Glasgow as well, after 
having been up there for a long time as an English comedian and a slightly middle class and possibly you're feeling you're not to Glasgow's best friend is, you know, you can get to a point where you feel you can take the piss a little bit out of them. It's one of those difficult cities to do that because they have a, rightly so, a strong pride about themselves. I really love Glasgow, genuinely. It's one of the nicest places uh, in the country, though, as I will discuss later in the show. You know, it's a place that I came to with some trepidation as a younger man, but I've been there for you know, over 25 years, 27 years I've been gigging in Glasgow and uh, I've got to the point where I can take the mickey a bit and this is a bit of a cheap shot coming up but uh, I couldn't resist it, again unplanned uh, and I'm just really having fun in these gigs which is nice so um, things like this do happen but this is just a little tiny incident of me going off script and slightly taking the mickey out of Glasgow, let's have a listen. If you haven't yet been kissed on the lips by someone from the 19th century and you want to achieve a similar milestone, you're really going to have to pull your finger out. Seriously, there's, there's only five of them left. Believe me, none of them live in Glasgow. Your oldest, relative, your, your oldest citizen is 67 years old, so you're a long way. You're a long way. They're not very mobile. Most of them live in Japan. You're really going to have to get, have to get proactive on this if you want to, if you want to do this. Uh, there's hardly any uh, left. I've put myself off now. This is a, that was a stupid place to have And again, I started the second half of the Glasgow show in quite an ad-libby, jokey mood. Uh, and so here is how the second half began and a little bit further from the merchandise. Uh, sorry, I'm wearing. I'm not. I usually have a suit, uh, but um, you people at the front. But I'm wearing like I'm sort of like Jeremy Clarkson. I'm wearing jeans with a because I dro I've dropped my trousers. I literally have. I lost my trousers in either Newcastle or Edinburgh. They fell. They fell off. They fell off my hanger. So uh, I'm devastated. But if you know, there's what. It's good to be in. I should just come wearing a kilt, shouldn't I? I should just push the whole thing out, and you'd have loved me then. Yeah. Look, he's come up. He's bought a kilt. What? He's one of us. <laughs> so before we crack on uh, I am just going to do a quick commercial break I will be down that corridor at the end uh, <laughs> outside the toilet uh, <laughs> I'll be selling some chewing gum some I'll be, uh, I've got, uh, got to make a living They've all got lots of extras on these show DVDs. There's a whole uh, extra disc of extras. One of the extras on that is uh, clips from the 1988 Oxford Review I was in. That unbelievably, I, I did, I performed it in Glasgow. This is a true story. We did the Oxford Review in Glasgow uh, in 1988, uh, and it was the week of the Piper Alpha disaster, which you may remember where a, a uh, oil rig exploded and killed lots of uh, Scottish people. Uh, and we died on our asses. Then afterwards, a, a, a Glaswegian man came up and in this exact accent said to me... <laughs> I'm just, this is exactly his voice. You should have done more jokes about Piper Alpha. That's what he said. Which I don't, I don't think particularly would have gone that damn well. The Oxford Review coming to Glasgow and mocking Piper Alpha. I'm not, you know, I may be wrong. <laughs> may be wrong about it. So anyway, you can see some clips from that. I'd rather die than watch them again, but they're on there. Uh, and there's quite a lively little end to the Glasgow gig as well. Uh, I'm pretty sure what happened was just a, a crazy accident, but you can never be sure. Um, I won't spoil it too much, but uh, a very mild spoiler of how I explain um, the charity collection is included in this clip, but I thought I might as well leave it all in because there's uh, some funny jokes at the expense of Glasgow and Edinburgh as well. 
So I hope you had a nice time. It's always fantastic to be here in Glasgow. Thank you so much for coming out to see the show. I massively appreciate it, especially today. And uh, good choice. Uh, and uh, and uh, I hope you got a programme at the beginning. That's a free gift from me to you. As, I, as usual, I'm making a collection for Scope, this fantastic charity that uh, is uh, trying to get equal rights for people with disabilities and access for people with disabilities, which could one day be you if it isn't you already. Uh, Serious, I don't understand why people don't support this because it's, it's in all of our interests. I once asked a disabled woman what they call people who aren't disabled because non-disabled seems like clunky and double negative and abled seems massively inappropriately wrong. She said, we call you the not yet disabled. So that's <laughs> worth bearing in mind. So if you think that program's worth something you'd like to donate to a fantastic cause, on your way out there just be holding some blue buckets. Please give whatever you want to give. You you've been fantastic in the past. You don't have to give anything. It's a voluntary thing. Uh, I was in Edinburgh last night and the, the people there were so generous. <laughs> I've never seen such general. I mean, they... They were the, they were the pride of Scotland. It's the most Scottish... most Scottish place I've ever been to. So it would be terrible to be beaten by them, so do give... Do give generously. Oh, my God. I literally got glass then for that. That is... I, I, felt, I mean, it was the most middle-class glass in... It was a joke, all right? It was a joke. It's nice to be here in Scotland today. Uh, so, um... <laughs> There's a bit of glass down there. I actually got hit. Uh, so, uh... Start the van. Uh, so, uh... It's, it's kicking off. Uh, I'll be out there. Please don't smash glass in my face. My face. This is how I make my money, this beautiful face. <laughs> Anything, don't have to give anything. And as I say, if you want to buy a DVD, a badge, or a book, I'm out there. If you don't want to, just say hello, whatever. If you just hate the show, just throw glasses at my <laughs> into my face. I can't believe we're already at pretty much 45 minutes into this podcast, and I've only got as far as Glasgow. I think uh, just to eke things out a little bit, there's some lovely stories coming from uh, certainly from Norwich, but uh, there's a few gigs I've done. Chesterfield, not much happened there. But I will talk about that a bit next time. Norwich and Birmingham. And then I was off to Southend. Older shot. See if I can remember without looking up. Somewhere else and then Shoreham. I'm going to have to look it up. It's terrible. Oh, Cambridge, of course, then Shoreham. Uh, and, and I'm off to Cardiff uh, tomorrow as I'm recording this. As I said, Cardiff and Bath coming up. Uh, and go to richchain.com slash gigs or richchain.com slash L-O-T-D-S slash tour to see all of the dates. I'd be love to see you one of the future gigs. I hope you're enjoying these podcasts and the little behind the scenes look. I think this was a very fruitful week. I'm not sure uh, that the other ones will be quite as long as this in for shot for three gigs. But that's quite nice. That's the stands covered. I've covered Newcastle, Edinburgh and Glasgow stand uh, as well as giving you the uh, a little taste of some of the other gigs earlier on. Um, but I will be back probably quite soon. I'll probably try to put another one together pretty soon uh, and uh, try to keep these coming out weekly they won't all be this long I don't think uh, but if funny things keep happening I keep, keep telling you about them I'd like to tell you a bit more about the background to the show and my ideas for it but you know there we're getting a lot of stuff from the shows themselves which is also I think hopefully nice for you to hear and hopefully not too many spoilers I don't think there really are any spoilers in these you, you should still be able to come along uh, have without without these shows spoiling your enjoyment so I will leave it there for now and thank you for listening 
Uh, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Lord of the Dance Set Tea Podcast. Please come and see me on tour if you can. Go to gofasterstrike.com slash badges if you want to make a donation. Or just gofasterstrike.com, buy a DVD. There's a brilliant sale on there at gofasterstrike at the moment. gofasterstrike.com slash sale. Uh, Fist of Fun DVDs uh, with £10 off each. So it's like £20 on the series. Uh, and Talking Cock DVD for some of my books. Uh, and some other DVDs from other brilliant comedians and some other stuff of mine. I think, I can't remember what's up there, but there's some real bargains up there. So gofasterstrike.com slash sale. Uh, but if you can make a donation, a monthly donation, you get entered into a draw and uh, you can win prizes, but you also get some extra content as well. So hopefully, hopefully you'll feel these podcasts are worth that. But to be honest, if you can just come and see the tour, that will be massive payment enough. And that will ensure I can carry on making these ludicrous podcasts. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. Can't be bothered to put the closing music on, so just imagine Christian Riley playing a funk punky version of Lord of the Dance City. Dude, down, wherever you may be, I am the Lord of the Dance City. I'm Christian Riley. I think I'm cool. I'm not cool. Mm.